Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. So she started finding a lot more work as a model than she was as an actress. But then she got rheumatoid arthritis. And that set her back for two years. So she couldn't model for two years. Yeah. Sucks. But then afterwards, she um, went back into modeling. And she was a Chesterfield cigarette girl. Chesterfield makes you feel better. That's what doctors recommend. Is that their slogan? It was one of those. Yeah. Yeah. Your cigarettes definitely made you feel better. And they made you skinny. And they made you look really cool. Doctors like to smoke. Camel Reds. Hello, welcome back to Shirley Don't Tell You. Um, so I noticed a common pattern. Oh, by the way, I'm Nikki Limo. Salutations is Steve Green. Steve Green? Yeah. Oh. AKA Miracle Man, AKA Iceman. Oh, okay. Go ahead. AKA the Blind Fisherman. Hello? I am now the Blind Fisherman. Because I heard that's what they call you. Animal Crossing. <laughs> that's what they call me. That's what the villagers call me. For I... Uh, when I fish, it is as if I am performing miracles. Because you are wearing a sleep mask. I am. Okay. Animal Crossing fans out there, maybe you understand this language, but... The villagers always clap <laughs> really hard when I catch a fish. Yeah. By the way, I, I got a five-star island. What? We got a five-star island. No, that was me. I agree. <laughs> I really didn't do much. Um. Anyway, I noticed that there's kind of a pattern, and I didn't really realize it till I was prepping this episode, but um, of... You doing uh, a, a piece on a star that has fallen. Yes. And then me doing an episode on someone that really inspires me. So you did Nicolas Cage a few years ago. But they inspire me. Sure. Nicolas Cage absolutely yes, inspires in me. Yes. He's a fucking hero. In, in a different way. Okay. Yeah. And then I did a I did an episode on Eminem that you can go listen to. And then you did one recently on John Travolta. I did. And so I wanted to do one on my other hero, Lucille Ball. She is, I don't talk about her as much as I do Eminem. Uh, you don't talk about anything as much as you do Eminem. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So I feel like. Including your kitties. <laughs> it's, that's true. Yeah. So I feel like it's not fair because people don't know how much of an influence Lucille Ball has had on my life. and well, how, I know how much I admire her. And it wasn't until Steve heard me talking very passionately about her was it on a plane? I feel like it was on a plane. Was uh, it on a plane? We were in many places. Yeah. You've talked very passionately about it in many places. Yeah. But you got really in depth one time about it, and I was like, Jesus, you should just do a whole show. We should just do the show about it. Yeah. And I didn't really think about it that uh, that way until then. And I was like, yeah, that's true. We've done an episode on Eminem. Like, Lucille Ball is very much in that same bracket. What do Lucille Ball and Eminem have in common? You might not think much. But after I talk about this, maybe you'll see some commonalities of why I look up to these two people so much. I look forward to hearing that connection. Okay, so Lucille Ball, let's talk about her back background. She was born in 1911. 
Good year. Remember those days? Those days back in 1911. Great year. Uh, what I I think one thing that Lucille Ball and Marshall Mathers have in common is that they were both born into poor, uh, poor tragic upbringings, which I feel like a hero needs like a poor tragic upbringing. <laughs> they need me to relate to them, right? Yeah, people love it. Yeah, and Harry like, Potter had to have a bad time. And so that you like Harry Potter more. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The uh, what's it called? That um, opposition. The uh, things that stand in the path of yes, conflict. Yeah, conflict. Absolutely. But Maximum it conflict. It starts with an A. That uh, the name of the antagonist. Word. And, no, no. Oh, it's adversity. Yes, that's go. exactly what I was fucking thinking. Okay. Thank you, Mark. Adversity. I think every hero needs adversity, and then it's how they overcome it that makes me just really fucking admire them. You just faced adversity when you couldn't remember, but then but then Mark provided the answer. And we yeah. should cut out Mark providing the answer so that you look even smarter. Oh, my God. I would look so hella smart. You got that, Mark? If I just got that word Hell on Hell, yeah. That. We got the thumbs up. Beautiful. Um, so when Lucille Ball was born, um, she was, well, she was born in 1911. And then after only three years, her dad died suddenly of typhoid fever when he was on a work trip. So she was only three and her mom was pregnant with her baby brother, forcing her mom to go relocate and move back to New York City, where they were originally from. And, uh, and then four years later, the mom remarried to a guy named Ed Peterson and Ed did not like kids. Didn't like that they that the mom had kids, so the kids were sent off to live with their grandparents. Lucy was sent to live with Ed's parents, who were really, really strict. Uh, his stepmother was super strict, and they didn't really have much money in their household. It was said that they couldn't even afford pencils. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, yeah. How are you going to even play Animal Crossing if you can't even have pencils? You couldn't. Wow. And you couldn't get a Switch either, because they were all sold out in 1911 as well. Oh, my God. It's been sold out for so long. been so long. Um, so, uh, yeah, so she didn't reunite with her mom until she was 11. And then at age 15 expressed wanting to go to a New York school for dramatic arts. But when she auditioned for this school, they rejected her so many times. They told, they actually wrote her mom a letter saying, Lucy is wasting her time and ours. She is too shy and reticent to put her best foot forward. Reticent. Reticent. Oh, I've never said that word out loud. What does that mean? <laughs> it's a stupid word. It's I hate wizards. that word. It's for Can wizards. We, Mark, what's a different word for reticent? Yeah. Shy. It actually means shy. Shy. Okay. Another word for reticent is shy, which I guess they basically say she's too shy and shy. So, you know what? You're redundant, school and of dramatic arts. By the way, I love how these people... So, if you're out there and you get denied by the quote-unquote experts of your field, yeah. just know that the experts back then told Lucille Ball, yeah. a legend, a golden legend that you could put on the side of any building and nobody would even question it. That she wasn't good enough. Yeah, that's actually how I got into Lucille Ball in the beginning because I had gotten rejected from an acting school. After getting to a master class level at my first acting studio, I auditioned for a really um, extensive screen. Uh, it was like a it was like a screenplay backstory type of class, but it was this really prominent acting coach and um, casting director. And they rejected me because they said I was way too green or 101. And I'd already been studying acting for a long time. And it just absolutely crushed me. I was terrible at auditioning. To me, it was nothing like acting, like when you're on set acting. Um, when you're auditioning, it's, it's like it's completely it's different horrible. environment. It's not an environment that is... Uh, helpful for acting it's like meeting a cow that's about to be slaughtered like whereas you meet them in the field and they're doing their cow thing you're like yeah. oh you know what cows are pretty cool actually cows are kind of nice yeah. but the cow in that room you know cow's not gonna be the same cow and some people are exceptional at auditioning and then not very good on set and some people are exceptional at auditioning and good at on set but anyway during this time this was in my early 20s um i was totally devastated also i was with a representation that i've talked about in, in previous episodes who was Pretty verbally abusive and made me feel terrible for getting rejected. So by you already crushed and then you got crushed. And then I got crushed again. Just yeah. like two hours of being lectured of why I failed and got rejected and all this stuff, which really motivates you to want to go oh, yeah. on, right? Um, so, yeah, I, I was looking for someone else to look up to like a mentor or something and Eminem has that way about him where, I, where when you fail or when people reject you, you didn't get back up but Lucy 
Lucille Ball um, was a female comedian specifically at a time where there definitely was not female comedians. Um, and then to read about how she didn't have a leg up at all and she got rejected so many times for acting school before she actually made it in. And then even when she was in acting school, even when she got accepted, they would tell her over and over again that she's talentless and she'll never make it and that oh, she man. should quit. You know what? All that stuff. To me, the, lights a fire. Oh yeah, right. That it, it, we're just, sometimes people are different, but for me, that stuff ma- fuels my energy more than anything. Yeah, people tell me I can't do something. It does for me too, yeah. but on like it's on a very subconscious level. The immediate response for me is to cry. <laughs> well, sure, but you also now have like a, an innate level of confidence that maybe you didn't have back then. Yeah, possibly, you know I mean? but maybe it's like a chicken eggs scenario where it's like maybe I wouldn't have that confidence had I not gone through those experiences right um but yeah I just I I think it's really interesting how these experts and this is still happens all the time time. experts are always telling people you know they'll never make it or they're not good or they they'll they should quit and I think it's how you move on after being told that that's really how do you react to it yeah. yeah. How, how are you going to It's really face telling that? of who you are as right. a person and how much you believe in yourself and how far you can go. I think some people like to blame um, those moments, like the, their lack of success on those moments. Yeah. I'm being like, well, if I hadn't been told this over and over again, I might have been something by now. But, but then you you see Oscar speeches where they're like, I only got told no, and here, here I just showed you your, your asses. You know yeah. what I mean? Like there's it can it can be a motivator too. You can it's how you choose to see it. Exactly, and that's what I really really liked about. Lucille are related to her a lot on this particular moment in her life where I was like, wow, Lucy was told that and she kept going. And you know what happened to her? I'm about to explain the rest of her story. So she remained in New York City. And then by 1927, um, who she had started calling herself Diane Belmont. Uh, it's a great she, name. Yeah. It's way better. <laughs> That's her modeling name. So she found work as a model. And she was beautiful, by the way. Yes. Yeah, so she started finding a lot more work as a model than she was as an actress, but then she got rheumatoid arthritis, and that set her back for two years, so she couldn't Shit. model for two years. Yeah, sucks. But then afterwards, she um, went back into modeling, and she was a Chesterfield cigarette girl. Chesterfield's makes you feel better. That's is, what doctors recommend. Is that their slogan? It was one of those. Yeah. Yeah. Your cigarettes definitely made you feel better, and uh, they made you skinny, and they made you look really cool. Doctors like to smoke. Camo reds or whatever. I remember all that shit. Aren't there like some movie scenes from um, that time in that era where like doctors are smoking in the hospital and stuff? Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. They used to like smoke everywhere. That's great. Or like a a husband's waiting for his baby to be born and he's like in the waiting room just smoking, chain smoking cigarettes. They used to drink everywhere too. Like you you see that in uh, like a lot of the 50s stuff, like where the guys in their offices would have whiskey and glasses and stuff. Well, I would drink too if prohibition just ended and it's like everyone's just celebrating. Yeah. It's like when marijuana got legalized and then everyone's just smoking down the street. Like, you still can't drink in public, man. <laughs> you still can't smoke in public. Um, so, anyway, uh, she found a lot more work as a model than she did as an actress. Um, but then in her in the early 1930s, um, she had dyed her, her chestnut hair blonde and moved to Hollywood to seek out more acting opportunities. And Wait, she. Chestnut is not red. No, no, no. Is she not a natural redhead? She is not a natural redhead. I didn't know that. You That's didn't huge. Know? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. She is not a natural redhead. She is a brunette. You I just mean, blew my absolute mind. It's that's all my all her branding for me is redhead. Oh, yeah. Did you know that Eminem's not a natural bleach blonde? I, I didn't really give a shit. <laughs> Interesting. Both of yeah. my idols are brunettes. Okay, moving on. That dyed their hair blonde. Okay. Uh, So she dyed her hair blonde. And I actually saw some pictures of her with blonde hair. And she looked like Marilyn Monroe. Like she looked like old Hollywood glamorous. Um, So work soon followed. She got a stint as one of the 12 Goldwyn girls to promote the 1933 Eddie Cantor flick Roman Scandals. Um, She did some extra work. She just like did bit parts here and there. Yeah, she she did all these small roles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then even when she did start to star in movies and like kind of get her acting career on track, they were all like B-list movies. So she started getting known in Hollywood, uh, like in the close Hollywood circles as the B-list queen. Mm. Yeah, the- I, I was scrolling through before we got here. Yeah. Some of those IMDb movies. And yeah, you, I never heard of any of them. No, no. She. I mean. Anybody who says they heard of that shit is a liar. And when she got like roles in big movies, she'd just be like little tiny parts. Yeah. Yeah. 
So then she got cast in a play that she thought would break her into Broadway. It got super good reviews and people were raving about it. And she's like, this is the one. But then one of the cast members got super sick, like gravely ill, like he was going to die. And the show's producers couldn't agree on what to do with the play. Like, should they recast? Should they write his part out? So they couldn't agree on it. So they just closed the play instead. Holy shit. Yeah. So then that was that. She didn't get anything from it. Um, later, she auditioned for the role of Scarlett O'Hara for Gone with the Wind in 1939. Oh, imagine. But Vivian Leigh got the part winning an Academy Award for Best Actress for her role. That always sucks. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I, it's always weird to me when you hear about like what stars auditioned but didn't get the role. Or worse. Sean, uh, I can't remember her last name. She was in Blade Runner. Uh-huh. She was up for the part of Vicki Vale in, in Burton's 1989 Batman movie. And just before the start of filming, she was riding a horse and she like broke her leg. Ugh. And so she couldn't film anymore. And then they hired Kim Basinger after that and they fired her, obviously. Yeah. And then Sean, I think Sean Ryan, Sean Ryan or something like that. She 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 never like broke Rose out after that. Like that would have been her breakout right. thing. And then obviously we all know Kim Basinger, you say her name forever. But that was Kim Basinger's breakout role. But like imagine because this would have been Lucy's breakout role. I know. Um but imagine like if she broke out in a drama like that? Like would she have ever been True. this huge comedy star? She'd been branded. Yeah, exactly. Now imagine they're shooting Gone with the Wind too. And Lucille Ball shows up dressed like the role from the first movie or dressed like the, like a, another role and is like, yo, put me in the movie. That's what happened to Sean Young. Sean Young is her name, Sean Young. She showed up to Batman Returns on set in a Catwoman outfit, like Ooh. like Haggerty, and I think she was drinking or something. Yeah. And she was like, I'm Catwoman. And and like they're like, get her off the set. That is very Catwoman-like. It's very Catwoman-like. I mean, if you look at... The way that Michelle Pfeiffer played, yeah, that oh, absolutely. <laughs> but isn't that fascinating? Like it, not, it destroyed her for many years. Yeah, that she, that she was that close. Of course. Oh my God, that's got to be, dude. People do not understand how much you get told no as an actor. You get rejected so fucking much. There's so many auditions, so so much preparation for each audition, and then to be told no over and over. They want to go younger. They want to go hotter. They want to go. Yeah, bad. it's always just something, and you're five, just never good pounds. enough. And after a while, you're just like, I'm just not good enough. I'm just. Not good. And then you finally get a role and then it gets taken from you like that. Ooh. That reminds me of like when um, someone else, what's the guy's name that, that booked the original Back to the Future? And then Zemeckis. they already, oh, they oh. like. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the kid who, Eric. Um, yeah, he booked Michael J. Fox's yes. role and they already filmed like most of the movie and then they had to scrap it all. And because it wasn't testing well, I yeah, think. Yeah. And then they reshot it with Michael J. Fox. And Eric Stoltz. No one could ever. Oh, exactly. No Rough. one could imagine my Back to the Future without Michael J. Fox. You know how I know the name Eric Stoltz? What? Because he was almost Michael J. Fox in Back to the Future. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, that's the only thing. And no offense, to Eric Stoltz. I'm sure he's never heard of me. That's what he's known by. There's also like uh, the drummer of the Beatles. Um, it wasn't original. Yes. Uh, originally Ringo. Um, but they thought that the guy was getting too much attention. <laughs> Isn't that wild? So they replaced him. Yeah, those stories are nuts, man. Because it's like you could have been on top of the fucking world. Not even just that. I mean, you're a legend forever. Yeah. You're a Beatle. You're, you're a legend forever. You're in history, in the even, history books. Even Ringo, the most unremarkable Beatle, fight me, <laughs> is- I don't think anyone's going to fight you. More of a legend than, than you know, even up, he's up there with Elvis. Right. Like, it's crazy. Right. He has, he's got wax museum figures and all kinds of shit. Yep. Yeah. It always trips me out. Like, uh, you know, imagining, like, if that would have been the path that happened- for Lucy instead. Um, just like uh, Marilyn Monroe auditioned for the Breakfast at Tiffany's role, that Audrey Hepburn, that iconic Audrey Hepburn role. She's yes. on everything as Breakfast at Tiffany's with the cat, you know? And uh, Marilyn Monroe wanted this role so bad because it, if you watch the movie, it is a lot like Marilyn Monroe's life. Um, but she wanted this role so bad, she even wrote a separate monologue as the main character and performed that at the audition. Wow. And she still got rejected because the director just didn't really like her as much as Isn't that great? It's crazy. You don't even know what's, what it is, though. Yeah. It's not that she didn't do a good job. Yeah. Or, you don't even know what it is. Because a lot of people really liked really liked her monologue and like wanted her to be the role. Dude, a lot of people I've been in, in those rooms set. where yeah. you're auditioning people and it's just, you don't even know what it's going to be. Yeah. Like that, that, and sometimes you can't even put your finger on why somebody's not right for it. You just are like, I don't know. It just doesn't see the, the way that we all pictured it. I don't know if that's what it is. Yeah. 
So I see both sides of it. And sometimes you can be open-minded to an alternate way and someone like knocks her socks off in a way that it wasn't like you didn't intend it. But they, t- they took a character in a different direction and it works even better than you yeah. ever imagined. Yeah. That's what, and that's what you hope for always. But yeah. it's just fascinating to see how that works. Yeah. Somebody really has to break the mold for that. And I think just hearing stories like this is what actually just really resonates with me and made me feel better as an actor. Like it soothed me during all of this time that Lucille Ball got so rejected so fucking hard so many times for so many years because she's like I'll try blonde now yeah that's crazy to me so then um, she ended up appearing in 72 movies just in like bit parts and stuff and then like the ones where she was a lead they were just B-list movies Um, but one of the earliest ones was a movie called Dance Girl Dance and that's what introduced her to her handsome Cuban band leader named Desi Arnaz. The two appeared together in her next film, Too Many Girls, and before the year was out, the pair fell madly in love and married. So that's where she met Desi. And a lot of people were haters on this relationship because one, Desi was quite a few years younger than Lucy. Yeah, two, it was in a interracial marriage, but I don't think that's what the friends had a problem with. It was more that like they were so different because Desi... Lucy was very career oriented and so all of her previous boyfriends had been older, uh, more established and stuff. Desi was only 23 years old and he was got a rebu- had a reputation as being quite a ladies man. Mm. And so they're like this ain't never going to last. Okay. If our daughter came home with a Cuban band leader, I would not be into it. <laughs> no, cuz I hated bandos in high school. I, I never got over it. Why do you hate stand bandos? bandos. They're fucking annoying, dude, and they always got to talk about, oh, yeah, well, we, we were doing nationals. Oh, it's you know like, what, Ugh. though? I just thought you saying that really, because I was like, well, I didn't like uh, theater geeks. You were a fucking theater geek. I was not a theater geek. You were a theater I wasn't. geek. I, I thought theater was hilarious. I thought the people of theater, I you thought the won, theater geeks were hilarious. You won I used Master to hang- of Sassines. I did. I won Master of the Scenes, yeah, in all of California. But that's fine. You can make fun of it. Um, <laughs> I'm making fun of how they misspelled scenes on your trophy because that's listen, how much I they cared. I went to a place called CETA where they give out an award, one award, mm. for the best actor in the state. I won it. But did you? Because it looks like you got a fake because it says Master listen, of the Scenes. They fucked up on the nameplate. You know why? Because some expert out there who, who judges people uh-huh. is like, oh, yeah, I'll do these trophies. And then he fucked up. It's not my fault. Oh, it's his fault. Yeah. Oh, my bad. Anyway, you're a theater... It's, it's so funny that you get to laugh at my incredibly illustrious award. So few people ever ever even touch that kind of rarefied air. You're and sounding yet, a lot like a yet, theater geek. And yet you mock it oh, God. because of what a misspelling. We would not have been friends in high school. No, we wouldn't because I didn't hang out. I was in band for a few years, but not in high school, in junior high. Okay. I was a flautist. I was going to say I didn't hang out with flautists. I was a flautist. Well, you were a, a fake trumpeter. <laughs> Don't, don't act like you weren't in band. Steve was in band. I didn't like band. Pretending like he could play the trumpet, but really he would just hit buttons that he saw the person next that to him hitting. That was fifth grade. I didn't oh. even touch band once I was in any kind of school that wasn't elementary. Thank I see. You. Elementary. True story. Okay. You're very defensive about not being a band. I wasn't a bando. Okay. I was in a music class. Sometimes we hate what we and are. And I hated it. Like, hate, and I got a deep plus. Sometimes we just hate what we are <laughs> deep down inside. Yeah. I wanted to play guitar. That's all I ever wanted to <laughs> I do. I wanted to play bass guitar. I played bass guitar. I actually wanted. I actually my one instrument that I would have played because I think it's so sick looking is sax. But my mom said mm. absolutely fuck no because Why? it was way too expensive. Oh, uh, true. And trumpet was way cheaper. Dude, I learned bass guitar because I thought it was so dope, and I had never seen a girl in a punk rock band that just played bass guitar and didn't sing too. Like almost every girl in a punk band was exploited for as being the singer. Oh yeah. You know, like Gwen Stefani and all. Yeah. You know. So I just wanted. to just chill in the back and play bass guitar it's and sick. just like look cool as fuck. I love it. They look <laughs> right? so cool. It's it unmistakable. So cool. Like Josie and the Pussycats, I don't even know what Josie was up to because I was watching that bass uh, guitarist the whole time. Yeah, but my parents wouldn't buy me an amp. So I learned by myself without an amp for a while, but then it just got tired. Yeah, you didn't care about it that much. No, I did, but then my if friends got- If you did, got, you would have no, mastered it. My, I know you. No, my friends got sent to rehab for being addicted to meth and uh, they were my band. So thanks for bringing it up. Well, I'll bring it up again. Okay, cool. Okay, so anyway, she starts dating Desi, right? And uh, despite they they were married for twenty years, and um, despite her him kind of ha- having a wandering eye, he did kind of have a a wandering eye romantically. You mean for Ethel? No, not for Ethel. Oh, okay. Just for other ladies, but despite that, he did really support her and all of her ambitions in her career. So, um, as you know, the late 1940s rolled around. 
uh, Lucille dyed her hair red in 1942 at MGM's urging. She was looking at a stagnant movie career. That's when she dyed her hair, by the way. That was MGM's call? Yeah, MGM was. They did her the solid of solids, man. They're like, you need to stand out. That's a studio note. That's finally, I heard a studio note where I'm like, that's a good Judd Apatow is the one who got Emma Stone to dye her hair red, and then she got really known as a redhead. True. She was originally a blonde. Wow. And now she, I think, went back to blonde. I think she went back. Yeah. But yeah, it was crazy, because at first we all knew her as a redhead. For sure. I Um, still think of her as a redhead. Yeah, same. Anyway, so yeah, Lucy was looking at a stagnant movie career, unable to break into the kinds of starring roles that she'd always dreamed about, and as a result... Uh, Desi pushed his wife to try broadcasting, and it wasn't before long that Lucy landed a, a lead part in the radio comedy My Favorite Husband, where she played like a wife that had goofy antics. Sound familiar? Anyway, the program caught the attention of CBS executives who wanted her to recreate something like it for the small screen, but uh, Lucy insisted it include her real-life husband, and that was something the network clearly wasn't interested they hated in seeing bandos. happen. They hated so she bandos. walked. You know what? Isn't that nice? That's they crazy. were like, we want you to star in something for the small screen. And she was like, you include my husband or I'm walking. And they were like, no. She's like, bye. Peace out. Because CBS executives thought the public would not accept an all-American redhead and a Cuban guy as a couple. So, And they were also um, unimpressed by Lucy and Desi put together a pilot on their own budget. And CBS was like, we're not impressed. That's amazing. Sometimes... Um, um, I've auditioned for uh, movies that my husband uh, wrote. We can and, move on. And anyway, I didn't. I wasn't in those. I didn't get uh, into those. At movies. least you're able to move on as an adult from these situations. He was like, "You put you my, you put people. my girlfriend in there, or I'm walking." And they yeah. were like, "Nah, it's not gonna happen." And he's like, "Okay, um, can I still have my?" <laughs> I said, "I'm so <laughs> sorry. I'm so, so sorry. sorry. Please, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Please do not cut me out of my own movie." Okay. So anyway, at least Nikki moves on quick. <laughs> so uh, we're gonna take a break, but when we come back. We're going to talk about what happened to the I Love Lucy show. When we return. Yeah. We'll be right back. Okay, yeah. They got it. After this. They're good. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. 
Hey, I'm Nolan Sykes, a host of Past Gas, the number one automotive podcast in the world. Every week, my co-hosts, James Pumphrey, Joe Weber, and I bring you some of our favorite stories from the hollowed halls of car history. From the amazing to the weird to the utterly unforgettable moments, we cover it all. Join us as we take a look at the wild stories and larger-than-life characters behind legendary cars and car makers. So if you love cars or just like a good story, check out Past Gas by Donut Media, the number one automotive podcast in the world. Hey, are you listening to Shit They Don't Tell You? Because if not, how are you listening to this ad about Shit They Don't Tell You? because they can't turn it off. They don't know how to they turn, don't know it how turn it off. Well, that's pretty convenient for They're us. Throwing their phone on the ground right now. Once you can figure it, it out, could you please rate us and subscribe and like um, tell us that we're beautiful? Listen, we, we want it. We need the validation. We, but mostly we need the ratings because I mean that's basically how the world is, is run. How my we continue to make more and more and more of this content, this glorious content that you love so much. If you like the show, support the show. And if you don't like the show, support the show. And it's for free. The, the stars are for free. Yeah, you give, them, you give them away for free. It's not like if you give five stars, you pay more money. They should have charged for every single star. That would have made so much money. It <laughs> <laughs> just made a killing. Okay, so before the break, um, I talked about how Lucy walked away when they were like, nah, your husband's not able to be in this project. And we're back. Okay, so, <laughs> so what Lucy and Desi decided to do was they were like, Fuck you, CBS. We're going to take our act to vaudeville. So they created kind of an I Love Lucy-esque show for vaudeville, and it did really, really well. It just, it was amazing. It was sold out all the time. And so then CBS was like, oh, we fuck up? And they're like, we're so sorry. <laughs> we're so sorry. That's great. Come back. So um, then CBS gave them, gave Lucy and Desi a contract, and they're like, we want to put I Love Lucy into our lineup. But from the get-go, um, Lucy and Desi knew exactly what they wanted from the network, and their demands included the opportunity to create their own new program in Hollywood rather than New York, where most TV was still being shot. But the biggest hurdle was on their preference to shoot on film rather than the less expensive kinoscope. I don't know how to pronounce that. Ke- no idea. Kinoscope? I don't know. Apparently, it's some, some alternative to film. Work. Um, so when CBS told them it would cost too much, Lucy and Desi agreed to take a pay cut in return, they would retain full ownership rights to the program and run it under their newly formed production company, Desilu Productions. Holy shit, they're geniuses. Yeah. But at the time, CBS, the time, was, like, CBS was like, sure, like it'll probably, yeah, be, it'll probably be canceled in like eight episodes because no one is going to accept this interracial relationship going on. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. So in October 1951, I Love Lucy made its debut and to the television viewing audience across the country, it was immediately apparent this was a sitcom like no other. Bombastic and Daring, the show, which co-starred Vivian Vance and William Frawley as Lucy and Desi's two best friends, set the stage for... Ethel and Fred. Yeah, exactly. Ethel and Fred. Set the stage for a generation of family-related sitcoms to come. The program included storylines that dealt with marital issues, women in the workplace, and suburban living. A lot of issues that were never touched on in, in TV, and now film they or can't TV before. Stop touching on them, apparently. Sitcoms. Right. Get I, something else going on. I Love Lucy completely changed the game in so many ways. Um, like, there, there's so many th- aspects of the show. Like, one, that they were an interracial couple. Two, um, one of the most memorable TV episodes ever touched on the theme of pregnancy. When Lucy gave birth to little Ricky on January 19th, 1953, the same day that real life Lucy delivered her son Desi Jr. by cesarean. You're kidding. Yeah. So that that episode aired the same day she was in the hospital having her real life baby. That's like a vlogger baby. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. This is that's why I feel like there's so many parallels here. And especially since she was breaking into TV, which at the time was like a very new medium. Yeah. So it's the same, very similar to YouTube. Being like not really accepted by film and TV right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's very, very similar. And then like, they had little Ricky Jr. on the show too, so they showed the full progress. Yeah, the whole thing. Like that's all. The audience was very attached, and they were very real. And since they owned the rights to the show, they could make a lot of creative decisions that were unprecedented. For like, for example, um, you were the the network had a big problem with them using the term pregnancy or pregnant. The, the word pregnant, yeah. you weren't allowed to say it on air. So what did you so say? I'm with s- child? No, they, they said expecting. Wow. And it became kind of a thing because Ricky Ricardo would say, she's specting. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. And they would just use that and yeah. make bits. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. Or they'd sometimes use um, the, the French word for pregnant called enciente. Enciente? I don't know. 
don't know how to say it. I'll, I'll tell you after. I don't know. French people, let us know how to say that word because I have no idea. Very uncultured. But anyway, yeah, they had workarounds like that. Um, they also uh, were the first show to ever have a live studio audience. No so shit. they were the first ones to do that. They were also the first ones to have like multicam and uh, different sets on the same studio set. So everyone's just copying I Love Lucy yeah, now. Yeah. Wow. Every like multicam sitcom that came after that definitely copied the bones of I Love Lucy that had never been done before. That's nuts. Yeah. And a live studio audience means means that they did the entire show from start, start to finish in front of them, right? Yeah, well, kind of. Um, so they film... I've been part of different shows that had a live studio audience, such as How I Met Your Mother. And um, what they'll do is they shoot the scenes out of order. So, right. And I don't know if it was like this on I Love Lucy, but how they do it today is they do a rehearsal. Everyone rehearses uh, a scene, all those scenes one day, and then the next day they do it in front of the live studio audience. And they'll shoot the scenes kind of out of order. So audience is laughing at that particular scene but not necessarily like everything all together got it it's yeah. not like a like a play and then some things are shot not in front of the audience so they like get filled in on what happens i don't know it's yeah it's interesting mm -hmm. it's interesting the way they did it anyway um so one another thing that i really liked about lucy when i found out about this i really related to her on this is that contrary to public perception um lucille ball was a huge perfectionist rarely was anything ever ad-libbed and when she wasn't on camera she was very business-minded she was very to the point she was very like getting things done the way she wanted them done she wasn't oh no she wasn't the same person and, on camera oh right. the horror <laughs> and she also um a lot of the things that were perceived to be ad-libbed she had actually scripted those to a t she would practice her facial expressions and her physical comedy in the mirror she's a genius over and over and over again until it, it seemed like it was ad-libbed but it wasn't which um which actually uh, inspired future stars such as Mary Tyler Moore, Penny Marshall, Sybil Shepard, and even Robin Williams. And even. And even. You said uh, nothing but legends, then you said an even. Well, I, another legend. I said Robin Williams because I feel like a lot of people think that his stuff was a lot, was ad libbed and stuff. You know. Oh, I see. You like on I mean? TV and stuff. Yeah, I think that's well, he, yeah. I think that's surprising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's so why I think and even. This might surprise you. Very nice. Robin Williams. But that I think I really liked that because Steve and I have talked a lot about, you know, Steve prefers improv comedy to stand-up. Yes. And even though there is some improv in stand-up, such as crowd work and stuff like that, I very much love the performance aspect of stand-up comedy, how even parts of the stand-up set that seem like they're like off the cuff are not off the cuff at all. And Correct. So that's that's not as easy for me to do because I'm just not that I'm not that good at being stiffly uh, married to dialogue. I'm very, right. I'm I'm my I cannot be myself as easily. I can be myself much easier if I am, um, in the moment just reacting. So to me, it's like it's not stiffly married to dialogue. It's you're hitting beats and there's an order. No, that's of great. Beats. But yeah. I'm, I'm talking about me. So you can uh, improv within that beat, but there's still a structure. Sure. And yeah. she obviously did that. I'm just yeah. talking about how I, I yeah, can't Yeah, totally. And that's why I was, that's why I brought it up. Cause we've had this conversation a lot of times where um, I think, you know, publicly Steve is very much known as like the funny man because you are doing bits constantly. Whereas I like, I like to observe and I'm a little bit more serious. It, like when I'm just observing things and then I like compiling all of it and creating something to be performed. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's how Lucy did a lot of things. Yeah, where she's like kind of more observing on, uh, like in the in her private life. Yeah, yeah. You're you're more like Lucy, and I'm more like a court jester. <laughs> I hear. Sure, what you're sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. exactly what I was yeah, saying. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, no, we'll do bits all the time, and I loved I love improving with you, but I um I enjoy the performance aspect of uh comedy rather than the like improv freaks me out. Like I admire improvisers for being able to just like create a show not even knowing what they're going to do before they go out there yeah well it's it's a lot of work to, to get there because i yeah. started terrified everything that i'm talking about being stiff with dialogue like yeah. i was terrified doing improv in the beginning like, it's, it's absolutely terrifying i yeah. i recommend everyone do it by the way because i think we should all push ourselves to be in uncomfortable situations mm -hmm. and like kind of learn how to work on your toes but yeah, I also recommend short form improv to people too. People 
I know a lot of people in LA, especially, they love the shit all over short form improv. I remember even moving to LA after having done short form improv for fucking five years and shitting on short form improv. Like, I, because I found this new version of improv that was longer and smarter, quote unquote. Mm. But it's really just short form improv helps you be quick in the moment and get be concise with your points because or, or whatever you're saying you can get in and out quickly because that's what you're trained to do in front of an audience is night after night yeah that's terrifying too yeah and I, I know a lot of people have it takes them a while to formulate their thoughts or to get their point across when short form improv they teach you the structure of your thoughts so that you can just go point to point to point which is great right i took short form improv but not extensively yeah um it was like way back it was like mixed into our acting classes right yeah. That's why, not, I mean, dude, that's why when I say do classes, that's one thing. But do it for years, night after night after night. If you really yeah. take it seriously, you, you can learn how to how to make anything funny, I think, eventually. Yeah, totally. And if, if your goal is to be an entertainer. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, these are some facts about uh, I Love Lucy that I just find great is that for four four of its seasons the sitcom was at the number one show in the country in 1953 the program captured an unheard of 63 a 67.3 audience share which included a 71.1 rating for the episode that featured little ricky's birth a turnout that surpassed the television audience for president eisenhower's inauguration ceremonies Dude, that means uh and i could be wrong about this but that means that almost uh that's seven out of ten families watched i love lucy yes that's crazy. Well, seven out of ten people watching television were right. watching I Love Lucy it's crazy. at that time. Yeah. Crazy. Oh. Um, and then when the show ended in 1957, Desi Lu Productions continued on producing more television hits like Our Miss Brooks, Make Room for Daddy, The Dick Van Dyke Show, The Untouchables, Star Trek, and Mission Impossible. Wow. Did you know that Desi Lu Productions did all that? I had no clue. Yeah. Um, and they then didn't have, they didn't exactly have Desi Lu before Star Trek, did they? Did, did they have the Desi Lu like insignia that that's so famous in our heads from I Love Lucy before Star Trek? Uh, you, that would be funny. What are you talking about? The De like how they write out yeah. I Love Lucy? No, how they write out Desi Lu production. I think that was just for I Love Lucy because it was like the theme in the I theme I of I Love Lucy. But I don't know. I don't even know really what their logo like looked like. I should look that up. It doesn't. Um, but. Um, yeah, along the way, uh, Lucy created a, just a television dynasty and achieved several firsts. She was the first woman to head a TV production company, the first woman ever, uh, which is Desi Lou, that she had formed with uh, with Desi. But then after their divorce in 1960, she bought out his share and became a very actively engaged studio head. She also became one of the first women multimillionaires because she bought out his share and then um, she sold the studio eventually in 1967 for $17 million, which is $130 million in today's terms. Jesus H. Yeah. And then and then it emerged into Paramount Pictures. And they made billions since then, I guarantee For you. sure. In oh, yeah. She oh, she went on to, and she went on to star in other things too. A couple other TV shows that weren't as popular, but, they still made a few million each. And then um, she wanted to get into dramatic acting a little bit later. But um, even though she did a good job and she was kind of praised by critics, um, it just didn't really take off because the whole world loved her. It's as like Jim I love Carrey, this. man. It's the exactly. Same thing. It's just I miss him in the comedies. Just, mm -hmm. just keep doing that. I know that you got sad feelings inside and you want to look at yourself in the mirror in a movie, but I don't care about it as much because I you're you're a genius at one thing. Yeah. And then when you do this other thing. I've seen other people do it better. That just happens. Yeah, but I get it. Like, yeah. it's because her whole life she had studied dr drama and dramatic arts, and right. she was her idols were all dramatic actors. And so there's this like piece of you where even if you make it in this one area, it almost doesn't count. <laughs> like, even if you have all this recognition, it's like, but I still didn't make it as the dream that I was going. But imagine for. being a legend, right? Like, right. You're Louis Armstrong. Like, you're everyone's like, holy shit, you're incredible at this. And then Louis Armstrong's like, I want to do improv classes. Yeah. Can you imagine? Exactly. But that's exactly how it is. And that's how it is for a lot of people who get famous at a thing that they weren't planning on getting famous at, which is what I just find so interesting and also relatable that uh, for people that can't see their own um, good or the things that they've done, you know, that yeah, should yeah, be yeah. recognized because they're so focused on what they hadn't done or like what they had been going out for and, and got rejected on. And like maybe if she was fueled by that whole you know, desire to prove her acting school wrong. She never really got to prove them wrong in that way that's like, yeah. I made it as a dramatic actor. You know what's great though, is that Nicolas Cage's current branding is that he could 
he could just start he could do a tour where he's like it's Nicolas Cage doing violin. Yeah. And we would, I think people would accept it. That's why I think what's his face? Uh What's his name that did the I'm Not Famous Anymore? Yeah, Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, he's tolling Maximum. I thought that was genius. Like, was. a lot of the shit that he did after acting, like, I didn't really give a fuck about him as an actor, but the shit that he did after acting, which was, like, that installment, and then, great. like, a couple other things that where he was trolling. Well, he got caught plagiarizing, and then he decided to use the 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 momentum of that yeah. to, to, like reform his image and like yeah he kind of he kind of just started trolling which was fun yeah i really liked that it made me respect him a lot more and then he did like he did like a sia music video where it was like pretty passionate and like it was pretty good yeah 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 Yeah, i was i i was i always get blown away when there's like a surprise i didn't see coming from an artist um but just to name a couple awards and recognitions that she has received lucille ball i'm talking because i love when people are told that they'll never be shit oh, yeah. and then they kill it this me hard too, me too and like that's probably why i really love eminem because all his life he was told he'll never be shit and then he failed ninth grade three times and he's still obsessed with talking about how how they said he'll never be shit. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, dude, you can sing about something else. But then he's, he's then, then, then his next song is, I know I should sing about other yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he's so self-aware, but yeah. that's it's with this deep ingrained trauma of people like Chip not on accepting your it. Never goes away. Exactly. Never it goes doesn't away. go away no matter how much you kill it. That happened to Tom Brady. Yeah. Tom Brady got fucking drafted in the what the fourth or fifth round or some shit, and he's like, fuck you every year. And I think it's part of that tortured artist thing, is that like no matter how hard you kill it, there's always this chip on your shoulder. Exactly. Like, look at Tom Brady. He got six Super Bowl trophies. He's still got something to prove. He's 40 fucking two years old. He's, yeah. he's going to the Buccaneers. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, okay, so some of her awards. In 1971, she became the first woman to receive the, Nas- the International Radio and Television Society's gold medal. In addition, there, she won four Emmys and got nominated for a lot more. Induction to the T- Television Hall of Fame and recognition for her life's work from the Kennedy Center for Performing Arts. She's got two stars on the Walk of Fame. Not one, but two. Wait, what's the second one? Say? One for TV and one for motion pictures. Wow. Uh, posthumously, which means after you've passed away. Posthumously. Posthumously? Yep. Is that really how you yep. pronounce it? I feel like you're trolling. No, I'm not. All right. Anyway, she received the Presidential Medal of Freedom from President George H.W. Bush on July 6, 1989, and the Women's International Center's Living Legacy Award. The Lucille Ball Desi Arnaz Museum Museum and Center for Comedy is in Ball's hometown of Jamestown, New York. The Little Theater was renamed the Lucille Ball Little Theater in her honor. And Lucille was among Time Magazine's 100 Most Important People of the Century. On June 7, 1990, Universal Studios Florida opened a walkthrough attraction dedicated to Lucy. It's called Lucy, a tribute, which features clips of the show as well as various pieces of trivia about her, along with items owned by or associated with Lucille and an interactive quiz for guests. It was permanently closed on August 17, 2015, though. On August 6, um, 2001, which would have been her 90th birthday, the United States Postal Service honored her with a commemorative postage stamp as part of its Legends of Hollywood Wait, what series. Year? 2001. Uh, stamps still mattered then. Wow. Yeah. That is an honor. Um, she also appeared on the cover of TV Guide more than any other person, which surprised me because I feel like Oprah's been on there quite a few times. But uh, she appeared ah. on 39 covers, including the first cover in 1953 with her baby son, Desi Arnaz Jr. TV Guide voted Lucille Ball as the greatest TV star of all time. No argument oh, that's there. On TV I got Guide. no argument there. And it later commemorated the 50th anniversary of I Love Lucy with eight collector covers me- celebrating memorable scenes from the show. And in another instance, it named I Love Lucy the second best television program in American history what after was number one? Seinfeld. Come on. Yeah. Lucy fucking changed. The- there would be no Seinfeld. Seinfeld knows that. Though. I know. Lucy was inducted into the National Women's Hall of Fame in 2001. Uh, the Friars Club named a room in its New York clubhouse for Lucille Ball. She was also awarded the Legacy of Laughter at the 5th Annual TV Land Awards in 2007. This is all after she passed away, unfortunately. Uh, but um, Google... You, imagine you're so sick that they give you awards after you're dead. Yeah. on uh, In 2011, on what would have been her 100th birthday, Google honored her with an interactive doodle on their homepage. You know how they change the homepage for... They do it every day. ...different holidays and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, But they, they used to only do it on holidays. I see. But, um, but yeah, they gave her one for... Uh, her birthday, which displayed six classic moments from I Love Lucy. She was amazing, man. On the same day, a total of 915 ball lookalikes converged in Jamestown to celebrate the birthday and set a new world record for such a gathering. 
Uh, wow. uh, in 2009, okay. a statue of her has been displayed uh, in New York, in Celeron, New York. I buy it. I buy all this. I'm not surprised. Yeah. Yeah. She was amazing. I mean, th- that show, I remember being a kid, and you, we would watch the uh, Nick at Night, and they had that every night. Yeah. It's and that the was most, the best show it's on It's the there. most watched TV show in history. Yeah. It was, I mean, it's funny because I'm a kid. I was born in the 80s, and I connected with that show in the early 90s. Like, that's how timeless it is. Yeah, exactly. And it didn't matter that she was a woman or that there was an interracial relationship or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, she broke so much ground. And I think that's why I look up to her so much is because it was before anyone ever did that. She still believed in herself. She didn't have another person to look to where she was getting rejected to be like, oh, if that person can do it, I can do it too. Like, she had to set the ground for everybody to come after her, which is so crazy. Um, but yeah, like... She fought for the right to work while pregnant. She gained tremendous success in a male-dominated field, and she did a great deal to destigmatize interracial relationships, as well as being a, a really well-known gay rights supporter. Hmm. So she was just very progressive, very ahead of her time, and um, I just really love her for that. Did she have any pets? I don't know. How could you not know that? I, I, I guess. I thought you did your research. I, I didn't research her pets. Okay. Yeah. But I just I saw so many parallels, especially since... Like, I've been looking up to her since before we were ever together. And then, like, the fact that her and Desi fell in love and then started a company together. And mostly they they did I Love Lucy so they could work together. Because one thing that put a strain on their relationship was that they were constantly working separate from each other because they were both entertainers. And so they created a show that they could both work on together. And then audiences really liked it. And so then they, like, built a whole career with each other. Yeah, I've said for years she's one of my heroes. Uh, so pat on the back to me for that. Oh, good for you. I've never heard yeah. you talk about her. I have. Oh, okay. So she's been one of my heroes for a long time. No, but she's, I mean, dude, it's just one of those things where it's not just like the, the performances were good, but the writing was good. And like the way that, the way that they just did that show where she, Lucy fucks up and you, you're waiting for that. Like yeah. that was so, the, the, the best part about that show is when you're sitting there watching it, they had like a magic trick where. You're just waiting to see how she messes up and then what she's going <laughs> to do she about it. How she gets out of it, right. yeah. And then, and then they had like the you know, bad guy coming home was always Desi and how he's going to be so mad. Yeah, and which like, is usually vice versa in modern sitcoms. It's normally like the guy is the funny one and yeah. the wife comes home and she's like, what did you do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then he would, uh, you could also tell that he loved her, which, yeah. which I think was probably why she wanted to have her actual husband in the show. Totally. there is a... There is a chemistry. A ma- yeah, magical chemistry to it when you're watching it. The other thing is, um, like, the things that they were able to do because they own the show, like, when she got pregnant, the network was going to cancel the show. And so instead, they just wrote the pregnancy into the episode. Which was unthinkable, obviously. And unthinkable. It never had been done before. They had never shown a pregnant woman on TV before. That's so funny. Yeah. What and were they so scared of? It's so funny. They're scared of women. They're all right. They're all getting <laughs> women, them pregnant behind closed doors. Women but... had to be sexy only. Right, like they right. were sex objects only. Right. And that's why she had so much success as a model before, I think, you know, because she was so beautiful. And right. then like they were like, well, you're not a comedian. You're a fucking model. Yeah, so and then she that's why, you know, she didn't really get success on I Love Lucy till she was in her 40s. But do you see how do you see how people have to just fucking prove it? Yeah. Like, like nobody's nobody's gonna hear you say i insist i'm funny too right and then they're like okay let's give you your own sitcom no it doesn't happen you have to prove it you have to show people that you're that like yeah that's something i learned very early on and yeah you can't just be like "Hmm, they didn't hire me because i'm a lady right like you have to go prove that you're funny yeah and i've talked about this before i'll say very quickly but uh i was at maker studios many years ago i had just gotten hired on as a writer people people knew me more as like uh i I did a couple funny things in a couple funny videos but I remember Kasim G had turned down this this thing that was like a lot of money at the time. And I remember a, a bunch of the maker people were like, we, oh, if only we had somebody else who could do this man on the street stuff. And I was like, I could do it. And they all just kind of looked at me. They didn't, they, they didn't like think I could do it. They, yeah. they all just kind of looked at me like, what are you talking about? Like, that's, that's what, what do you mean? Yeah. And then after that, I was like, oh, this isn't their fault. This is my fault. I didn't show them that I can do this. Right. They don't know that. I know that I could do this, but they haven't seen me do this yet yeah and so i have to go do it now and that's what i did because i got that reaction that fueled me harder than anything i i can still visualize to this day the way that they looked at me for sure and those are all good nice people nobody's mean nobody was bad person all this stuff that you could say and like 
uh, extrapolate. And say like, oh, like if you had gone the other direction, like I could have been something, but they didn't want to give me a chance. No, yeah. it could be the smallest thing yeah. that in- ignites your flame and then you set a fucking fire to the world in your own way. And by the way, I honestly think you should prove it. Like, yeah, like when you're hiring someone, like when we were hiring wedding photographers for our wedding, I didn't just hire someone because they were like, I'm a good photographer. I looked through so many people's portfolios. I saw who else they worked with before. I saw their pictures from other previous weddings. You know, people need something to reference to before they can just trust you with their project, because a lot of projects are they cost money. There's a budget involved. If you fail, then they fail. And dude, to this day, I guarantee you those people, I could name them. It doesn't matter. Uh, They don't know what they did for me in that room they don't know that i saw that no as a, a challenge huge challenge yeah. for them they're just like what are you what are you what are you talking about you know what i mean it wasn't right it was like the most minor conversation for them but it was the most monumental one for me sure and, and i and i uh so there's this new michael jordan documentary that's out a bunch of people talking about i haven't gotten to watch it yet but i i know some michael jordan stories about how he reacted to certain slights like Isaiah Thomas, he was a Detroit Piston. He did not shake uh, the hands of the Bulls after they beat them in the NBA Finals mm-hmm. the first time. And he just walked out of the room. And Michael Jordan took that and fucking ran with it for ever. Wow. He never forgave him. Like he still hates the guy like 40 years later. And those shit. little fires. Oh, you just don't know. And, and and by the way, that was considered a big deal at the moment. But there was a bunch of stuff that uh, minor things that people did to Jordan. Little slights, little tiny things. Where if you if you watch his basketball Hall of Fame induction speech, he actually brought a bunch of those people in the room and then he fucking clowned on them for doubting him in the most minor ways. And they're all laughing because they don't even remember these conversations or these little slights that yeah. they did. But he's like, You fucking gave me that that fire that made me the greatest basketball player of all time. Like, that's what people don't realize is the slightest the slightest, smallest things that they could do sometimes. Mm-hmm. You don't totally. even know what it is. You don't even yeah, and but it's all about your the way that you choose to take that, exactly, you know, and use it for you. Some people use it against them, themselves. Yes. Some, like some there, people use it to sabotage there themselves. Could have, I tell this to people all the time. There could have been a greater basketball player than Michael Jordan, but he never set set foot on. He never gave himself the chance of even thinking that he could do that. Right. And people maybe in his area are like, "He's a fucking amazing." And it's like, "Well, how amazing is he? Why isn't he going out?" For, for the NBA. It's like, well, maybe there's something going on. Maybe some extenuating circumstances. Maybe money. Maybe there's a lot of things going on. Maybe you just had a kid and he can't go out. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that happen, I think, that keep people from greatness. And it's time to just like go, you know what? I kind of want to be the driver right now. I want to I want to sit in that seat. And yeah. that's what Lucy did. I want to sit in that seat. I, I've been sitting in the back for a long time. I think if you guys let me sit in the seat, I would do pretty good. And they're like, fuck you. You're not getting in the seat. And you know... You know, and I always reference uh, to my hero, my heroes like Eminem and Lucy whenever I'm personally struggling with something. And one of the things that I, I didn't really look back up again and remember and realize is how late she had kids as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because back then, you know, people were having kids at like 18. Like that 18 was like the normal, like 18 to 21 was like you got married right out of high school. You started a family. Right. And she didn't have her first child until she was 40. It was actually like a couple weeks before her 40th birthday. Wow. Yeah. And so right now being like, oh, like there's so much I want to do in my career first, but I also want to have children. I don't want to miss out on having a family. Yeah. I'm like, oh, shit. Lucy killed it in her career. And then she went on to have two kids. Yep. One at 40 and one at 42. Uh, Desi Arnaz Jr. was not born until she was 42. Wow. Yeah. And I'm like, she really did it all. And she didn't give a fuck what anyone had to say about it. Listen, when people told her to stay out of the driver's seat, she built her own fucking car. Yeah. And she sat her ass down in it. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, and she just like dollar bills out. She's yep. like, what do you think now, bitches? What, yeah, what are you going to do? I own it all. <laughs> and I have my own studio. Yeah. It's amazing. Man. She was also a mentor to a lot of other huge stars, which I think is just fascinating. Like um, like Carol Burnett. She really took Carol Burnett under her wing and was like, would appeared on her show several times and had Carol Burnett come on uh, her future sitcoms and stuff and uh, would send Carol Burnett flowers on her birthday every year. And Lucy, Lucille Ball actually died on Carol Burnett's birthday. And later, like she found out that afternoon, Carol Burnett found out from the news that Lucy had died. And then later that afternoon, she received the flowers that Lucy had sent before her death. Holy shit. Yeah. That's sad. Yeah. Wow, thanks for that, Nikki. Uh, Wow, good uh, good way to end it. No, but- I just like everything I've ever heard about her. I know. You know? Well, I was here, I heard that, um, you know the show Family Matters? 
I do know the show family members. Okay. Matters. Sim- family members. Family, family members. Did I do that? Exactly. The Urkel show. So the um, the way that they did it back then was, and maybe this is like repeat information from what we just said, but a lot of these shows would collab with each other. Like yeah. They would have one character meet another character. Yeah. And then like a person in the elevator would be somebody from another show and they just have a quick interaction. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes they would spin off those characters. So they took the this elevator lady, I think they had her on the Jeffersons, and it was the mom in Family Matters who was married to Carl Winslow's character. Mm-hmm. And they they built a whole show around the, the fan reaction to her interactions on the Jefferson show. And so... They're just like, we'll give her her own spinoff show. People love her. Yeah. Those those episodes always get well rated. They had her in a in a bunch of episodes that year, and so then then she gets the Family Matters spinoff, and so it's supposed to be a show about the Winslows, right? Yeah. It's supposed to be about. Um, so then Die Hard happens. Um, the uh, Reginald Vell Johnson, he played the cop in Die Hard, and they cast him as the cop uh, in in Family Matters, right? They just they're just like. You'll be the same guy, basically. And then Urkel comes in like three episodes into the show. Mm-hmm. And the audience reaction to that is yeah. so strong. The show became the Urkel show. So, like, it goes from, like, best laid plans and, like, collaborations, like, actually yeah. change the game for, for, for all For sure. Guys. Just like how it did on YouTube. Exactly. Right? I mean, in the early days of YouTube. But and... people like to think that YouTube is some new thing and they're doing something different. Yeah. But it's really the same thing, just on a different medium. Just a medium. new platform. Yeah. Right. And, and way less professionally done. Yes. Way less. But, you know, some might say that's a sign of the times because people are relating more to unprofessional, uh, you know, productions rather than the fancy. Perfectly scripted. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because it feels like there's a barrier that's not as relatable. But at the end of the day, that's all people want, right? When yeah. they're watching L- Lucy in the 50s yeah. and she's pregnant. And they're like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pregnant too. Right. Yeah. And they're seeing that and they're like, I relate to that. And like, she has a kid and they're like, I can relate to that. Yeah. It, it's people at the end of the day, everything is about somebody wanting to relate to something. Mm-hmm. That's why the best things and even the most futuristic shows that I watch, like Star Trek, the best things are the most they're human originally elements. produced by Desilu Productions. Thank you. But the, but, the most human elements of those things are what we all attach to and right. care about. And that's what that's what drew me to acting in the first place was the storytelling aspect. Was that like being able to relate to characters and like seeing something new that I was like, oh, I didn't see it that way before. You know, being able to change perceptions. Dude, and I was a nine-year-old boy watching I Love Lucy and I related to Lucy. So go figure. Yeah. Um, exactly. It's just about... You you see yourself because I used to get myself into situations where I'm like, how the fuck am I getting out of this? Yeah, same. (laughs) And I always felt like no matter what I did, I did it a little bit wrong. And so you're just watching that and you're like, oh, shit, somebody else is going through that. I didn't go, oh, a woman's going through that. I I guess I can't relate. Mm -hmm. Like I was just like, I'm a little kid. I'm like, wow, that's that's I've felt that before. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's what I love about the entertainment industry in general. But yeah, that's um, the bright spot. So Lucille Ball, a legend. I doth my cap unto her. Fucking legend. I love her so much. Yeah. And I love everything that she trailblazed for all of us that came after. And I love Fred on that show. He was sure. Classic. And Ethel. Well, of course. Ethel. Or Ethel. But, but Leave her everyone out like loves that. Ethel. <laughs> I'm talking about Fred. He's the most underrated character on that show. Mm-hmm. The grumpy ass Fred. He did a great job. Yeah. And that's it. That's it. So there's that. We like Fred. Yep. Say something. Deal with it. Deal with it. Fred, better, greater than Lucy, probably. No, hey. Never got a shot. He never got to sit in the driver's seat. He never got to sit in the driver's seat. He should have built his own car. Ah, nice. Thanks for listening. Please rate us. Also, share with your friends. It really helps us out. We're just trying to get the word out. The more people know about it, about the show, the the better it is. Please listen to the show. It would mean a lot to me. Maybe while you're gardening or doing whatever quarantine activities you. Hopefully, playing Animal Crossing, probably. Yeah, listen to a player playing Animal Crossing. I just called you out. I know you. Hey, I, 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 I see you playing that Animal Crossing. They don't hear you because they're busy playing Animal Crossing. No, they hear me because they're listening. They're, they're listening to hopefully, us while playing Animal hopefully. Crossing. I know they are. We're I know t- in my heart. We're suggesting it. All right, we love you guys. Bye, guys. Bye. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully 
done things around the home that I think look good and then a bang in the night and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home and I can tell you, I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.